Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The ethos of being relentlessly helpful hasn't been converted into, I'm going to be relentlessly helpful for 200 paying clients. For me, that feels like it would dilute the brand, actually. I'm still trying to help as many people as I can. And I appreciate there's always going to be people who don't want to pay for help. There's always going to be people who want to look up stuff for free on the internet. And I still want to try and help those people if I can. And to that end, about two thirds of the content that I create is now for my paying members. But about a third of the content is still completely free for absolutely everyone. So I always kind of feel as though you need to keep giving something out into public if you want to be visible. And, you know, ultimately you want to attract some new members too. Why do we have insights when our mind is quiet? How do insights play a role in our ability to learn and when do they impact the trajectory of our lives? Welcome to Insight Out, where we explore these questions and dissect how insights influence who we are and ultimately who we become. I interview New York Times bestselling authors and some of the most influential minds of our time to find out what insights have helped to make them who they are. When I realized that the world worked in many different ways, I'm gonna choose to create a life that is specifically designed for me. I see infinite capacity to think and create. That's the magic that we all have. You can tap into that any point in your life. You just have to decide to do it. And as a leader, you have to be a transition figure. As Dr. Covey said, be a light, not a judge. Be a model, not a critic. If you're like me, constantly working to design a life that will allow you to reach your fullest potential so that you can leave your mark on this planet, then you're in the right place. I'm glad to have you on this journey and hope you enjoy this episode of Inside Out. Hello and welcome. I'm so, so, so thrilled to have my guest with me today. Without a doubt, one of my favorite people on LinkedIn. And I don't think I'm alone in having that feeling for this human being. Not only is he an amazing human, he's also incredibly helpful. In fact, he's relentlessly helpful. If you go to his LinkedIn page, you'll see he's the relentlessly helpful LinkedIn nerd, self-proclaimed nerd. I mean, sure, you might be a nerd, but my friend, you have helped so many people, thousands of people because of your journey. I've been watching what you've been doing with your community, Espresso Plus. And so we're going to dive in, roll up our sleeves and get super granular on what it took to build your community. And I think one of the biggest things that I know for a fact is that the community is a result of years of work that led up to the community, not least of which is your newsletter, which like you, I don't like long, bloated, boring newsletters that just go to the trash and never get read. And so you wanted to create something that was short, right? Strong mm -hmm. and effective. So let's talk about the roots of the term espresso and where that came from and the newsletter, how the newsletter evolved over time, which inevitably led to you forming your community. Okay, absolutely. Let's jump straight into it. Thank you for having me on the show again, Billy. It's lovely, always lovely to speak to you. And I love how much research you do on your guests. Really <laughs> expecting that. a good, good chat today. Yeah. So Espresso just came from the idea of doing something short and sharp and strong. And I always thought of my emails as a like a hit of digital caffeine for my audience. So I set up this free newsletter quite a long time ago, actually, sort of 2016 time and was sending out non-salesy, helpful updates to people about various bits of technology and doing better with copywriting and LinkedIn and so forth, stuff like that. And it got to the point where I was having really interesting conversations with my subscribers. And I thought to myself, well, I'm having these interesting conversations, but no one else is seeing them. It's just a series of serial one-to-one -one kind of conversations that no one else has access to. And I thought it would be great if everyone else could interact with each other and that naturally led to me starting a group and inviting the members of that newsletter together to talk to each other. And that's what I did at the tail end of 2021. 
And that thing just took over my life. We had something like 650 people joining that free group within a couple of months and loads of conversations going on. And that was just completely dominating the time that I was spending on LinkedIn. And at the time, I was a, still a copywriter. Okay, yeah. I'm not offering that as a service anymore. But at the time, my day job was writing pe- content for people's websites and so forth. But this conversation was just going on and on and on. Loads of questions, loads of you know relationships being formed. And then I kind of realized, uh, this isn't really sustainable. I can't do this the way it is because I'm not selling anything inside the group. I'm just a facilitator and answering a load of questions. And that's what led to me coming up with the realization that I either needed to start a paid version of this community or just kill the idea altogether and just go back to what I was doing before. I chose to turn it into a paid community. And here we are almost two years later, and it's still going strong. So what went into that decision? I mean, obviously, that's a big decision to leave a Mm. successful copywriting career and say, okay, I'm I'm not going to do that any longer. Like, tell me the thought process. Well, moving beyond the copywriting career actually became easier and easier over time because of my non-disclosure agreements. I wasn't able to talk about my, the projects I was working on and the size of the companies I was working with in public. I was creating different type of content, content that showcased my ability to explain. And I thought, well, why not explain how LinkedIn works? And that's what I was doing on LinkedIn. And over time, people just say, oh, he's the guy who knows how LinkedIn works, not he's the guy who's maybe could rewrite my website for me. So that became an easier sell for me to drop the copywriting. The monetization around the group and the creating of the a paid group from a free group that came by after about five years of runway of building my personal brand. If I tried to do this three or four years ago, I don't think it would have worked. But because I had all that social credit in the bank, people had seen a big body of free work from me. Maybe some of them might have read my book, taken my course. Enough of them would trust me enough to come into a private community. And I went from the free group that got super busy to the paid group inside a space of four months, runway of five years of building the personal brand first. And the interesting observation I've had about that since then, I've spoken to other people who run free Facebook groups and other things like that, and they've run it for a long time. And they're feeling pushback from some of their members when they now try to monetize. It feels as though if you do a lot of stuff for free first, and then you create a group and then relatively quickly monetize it, that is an easier pill to swallow than running a free private community for maybe multiple years and then saying, okay, now you have to pay for it. People don't yeah, right. like that latter proposition. I just got lucky. There was no forethought in terms of how long this free thing would last. I just did it out of desperation to switch because it was taking over my life. <laughs> but it's interesting that the more value you give for free in a private space, the more people will be wedded to that thing and not expect to have to pay for it. Mm, that makes sense. It makes a ton of sense. They feel almost entitled. If you've mm. given it for a long period, you know, years as opposed yeah. to months, it's highly likely they're going to get used to it. They're going to expect it and they're going to be disappointed when they don't have it. And so mm. you, you alluded to it that you're a sort of an overnight success, five years in the making. <laughs> for those who don't know, and you and I talked about this previously when you were on my show Inside Out, we talked about the root of relentlessly helpful. That this is your personal brand is all centered around this core value and concept of being relentlessly helpful. I'll also add to this that everything you do, you do above board. There's no cheats. There's no hacks. There's no, there's no gimmicks. You do things organically in the right way. And you live by an ethos that you can be proud of. I just admire that so deeply about you. So let's go back in time and talk about the very, very beginning of that term relentlessly helpful. Okay. So I'd always bought into the idea of content marketing, even before I knew what it was. It's only in sort of 2015, 2016 that I I came across this term. And I realized it's what I was already doing because my background had been to create content and answer questions when I was working in-house at a place where I was doing software testing. I was the guy that people kept coming to and saying, how does this thing work or why doesn't this work the way that it does, you know? And I was listening to customers' emails and uh, listening to their phone calls and so forth. And I was always trying to find a way of trying to help people. That was just always my number one thing because the payoff for me, it's not financial. It's the taking someone from going, I don't get how this works to going, 
I see it all clearly now. And why didn't someone say that years ago? Because this would have been so helpful if they had. Because that's the kind of help I never got myself. Mm. No one showed me how to be a copywriter. No one showed me how LinkedIn worked and numerous other things. you just got to figure things out for yourself. But if you have support, it becomes so much easier. And it's a really good feeling to pass that knowledge on and help people. So that's that's what I always had in mind. And then one day I was at a conference, got asked a, an unscripted question about, you know, how are you going to stay relevant? And that's where the moment came. And I, and I said on camera, I'm going to create relentlessly helpful content. A couple of people responded really well to that. And it just, the moment stuck with me. And I looked back at the video and I just thought, yeah, that's me. That's me in a nutshell. I've, I've found that essence of me. So that was 2017, and it's it stuck with me ever since. And it's really the core idea in writing the content DNA book as well. And you never know what's going to happen when you say something on camera. I mean, it's a spark yeah. that that lasts. And I love it. And it makes it, it's not only memorable, but it's also accurate. It's so, so deeply accurate about who you are and, and how you operate. And everything that I've observed and watched and seen from the day one where I first, somebody sent me a link. They said, you got to follow John. I think it was Liam actually. And I'm meeting like, funny enough, Liam's on the show next week. And so just from then I was, okay, this is a guy that I admire and also somebody that I want to be a part of his journey. So speaking of your journey, now here you are, you're doing your, your community and you've said, and I, you're right, I do some research. So you said you're actually working harder than you've ever worked before. But I mean, maybe that was at that particular moment when you said that you felt that way, but do you still feel that way? And did you expect it going in that it would be this much work to run the community? I didn't expect it going in, but it's the kind of work that feels more fulfilling than working for large soulless corporates writing their website content. These days, I'm serving a couple of hundred small business owners, very often one person businesses and making a direct impact on you know their livelihood on LinkedIn and other platforms. So it's a much more fulfilling gig, but it is quite labor intensive. I'm creating custom content for them. I'm running live calls for them. I'm following up with accountability tasks. We're having one-to-one conversations behind the scenes. And the nature of me is I don't like to leave things unread for too long. You know, some people have got 500,000 unread emails that I'm not really <laughs> that guy. So if someone sends me something, I'll try to be as responsive as I can. Cause I think that's part of the whole relentlessly helpful thing. Isn't, you know, I'll help you one Tuesday, every three months. It's, it's going to be, I'm going to try <laughs> totally. to be there for you because ultimately you're paying my bills, you know, private community uh, exists because you've bought into it and, and I feel I need to serve you. So that's a lot of work. And especially because I'm quite the perfectionist, I like to do things just so, you know, just my own way. And that means I've really struggled to try and outsource anything. And also the issue I've had with some other communities that I've sampled is that you're attracted by a quote celebrity, not really a celebrity, but you know, like a a name has attracted you into a community. You buy in because of that person. And then that person is not actually there day-to-day running the show themselves. It's a bit of a power vacuum. You're handed over to an underling who might do a perfectly competent job, but they're not why you're there. You're there for the community, but you're also there for the for the person who attracted you in. And I always thought, if I ever do this myself, I don't want to sell people short. If they're buying into the community because of me, kind of got to be there every day. Um, and that presents its own challenges. You know, How do you take holidays? How, how do you slow down sometimes? It's an ongoing work in progress. I've had 10 days off over the Christmas and New Year period, which I never take 10 days off. It was hard, but people you know, re- reacted really well. The world didn't end, and I'm back refreshed, and it's all good. But yes, I'm definitely working harder than ever. And so anyone who thinks that running a community is passive income or easy money, absolutely not. No way. Not if you do it properly. And nobody likes a bait and switch, right? So if you're the person, and let's face it, the when I see Espresso Plus, you are a huge, and don't get me wrong, the community is amazing. And what I could see and the people, I've, I've looked at all the testimonials and you have some incredible people in the group, but at the forefront is you. And if you were absent, sure, yeah. 10 days for holiday, that's one thing. But if you just were MIA from the moment somebody joined, that's a bad experience. In a minute, we're going to get into what that experience looks like for somebody that joins the community. And I want to talk a little bit about, go deeper into the day-to-day, like what are the things that you're actually doing? But before we do, I just want to talk a little bit about mindset starting and 
also, and we'll get into that in a second, but what was some things you mentioned that you didn't know how much work it would be, but like, what are some of the biggest surprises that you've found as you've been building this that you just didn't know going in and now you know? Well, I suppose the, the very first thing I thought about when I was thinking about turning into a, into a private community is how much should I charge for this thing? And so innocently, I just thought, well, I'll just ask people. <laughs> and I got such a wide range of answers that it made me very quickly realize that actually you've got to just pick your own number. You can't ask people to vote for these things. So that was that was like the very first surprise. Some people saying, hey, I pay eight pounds a month for this. Other people saying you should charge a couple of hundred. It's like, well, they can't both be right. So <laughs> that was the, probably the, the, the first thing that I realized. The second thing I realized is that I was being kind of over generous with my founder spots. That was another intuition I had is that if I wanted to draw people in, I should offer some kind of privileged status for the first people who joined so that they would get a really low, low price if they, if they joined. And so I opened up 100 spots at a founder member rate, thinking, I wonder how long it's going to take for these to go. They all went on day one. And, and more, more than that went on day one, in fact. And I thought, ah, shouldn't have done that. <laughs> but it's too late. Once you've made a commitment, you can't just go back on that kind of thing. And I suppose just to throw another thing in the mix is that the whole relentlessly helpful thing is you try and give people as much content as you can that will answer every question under the sun. One of the bits of feedback from some people who have tried the community and decided that they couldn't stay long-term is that there's so much, it's too much. And I thought, isn't that weird? If I made less content, people would be willing to pay the same price and stay because they don't feel as though they're being overwhelmed with some kind of machine gun guy who doesn't sleep and produces blogs and videos and everything. So actually, sometimes less is more. So I've tried to keep that in mind and not just bomb people with loads and loads of content in thinking that that will make it more worthwhile. Actually, the reverse could be true. So if you're one of those people who just constantly pump stuff out, maybe hit the brakes sometimes and, and be a bit more thoughtful with what you put out. Because if people can't keep up, they might feel it's not worth paying for. And that, that's no reflection of quality. That's a reflection of personal overwhelm, which I think people are becoming ever more cognizant of. It makes a ton of sense. I, I hadn't thought about that being something that could pose a problem, but it makes, it makes a ton of sense because we're naturally beings that when we feel overwhelmed, we sometimes freeze up. It's, it's daunting. It's, it is what the word is. It's overwhelming. Therefore, it's difficult for us to know which direction to go. So as you were starting this, the, one of the things I know you noticed is there wasn't a lot of direct competitors that had communities very much like yours. So I'm curious, like, who did you look at or what, what successful communities do you admire or have you used for inspiration on your journey? Or maybe you just didn't have, have it. So you kind of had to invent it yourself. I didn't really have a lot of that. It's more of a case of the things that I'd experienced. I was just remembering what were the negative experiences that I needed to avoid as opposed to what are the positive experience. I, I suppose in hindsight, I could have done a little bit more groundwork on finding more communities and trying to get all the positive lessons feel as though I do quite a lot on intuition, but maybe it's because I'm a constant learner and I'm always, you know, I'm always reading something or listening to a podcast or listening to an audio book. And I guess it all, it all seeps in there. So, but yeah, you're right. There, there wasn't really a whole lot around a couple of years ago in my purview anyway, that I could see. And so, so I just, I just thought I'd create something that was just in essence, the same as my personal brand. And I hope that people saw something of themselves in me and that would lead them to you know co-opt themselves into the community and and you know that that led to another thing that I wasn't expecting at all which is I thought I'd be the LinkedIn guy everyone else in the community would not be the LinkedIn guy they they would just be people normal business owners what actually happened is something like between a quarter and a third of our membership now is people who specialize in LinkedIn in some way and you think well why would potential competitors ever join a community like that or wouldn't they be isn't there going to be some kind of backstabbing going on or some kind of salesy stuff going on or but no it just hasn't happened at all people just feel yeah it's a collegiate atmosphere trust the leadership and it's all good and we can all learn together that's been a wonderful surprise well even on your your sign up page you mentioned the fact that hey nice people 
regardless of if you're in the same space, yeah. they're invited to join. No douche canoes, right? Does anybody knows, John, <laughs> we're, we're not allowing any douche canoes yeah. anywhere near <laughs> near the community. Okay, so you didn't really have the competitor research. What prep did you do going in? Like, obviously, you had the free community. So, like, mm-hmm. you know, love to know, like, looking for a platform, deciding yeah. on, you know, all the what the benefits are. What what kind of prep did you do going in? Well, I didn't see a good one-stop shop solution for running an entire community. There are a couple of good options out there now. They weren't really apparent to me at the time. But also, I was kind of thinking that because so much of the talk that we have in the community is about LinkedIn, and we already had a functioning group on LinkedIn, frankly, most groups on LinkedIn aren't very good, but ours was working really well, and there was daily discussions. I thought, do I really want to rock this apple cart by saying, hey, okay, all of this conversation that's going really well on this platform that you're talking about and using, we're now going to move somewhere else. I thought, no, I don't really want to do that. So I want to keep the discussions on LinkedIn. But discussion space is one thing. You need to offer a bit more if you're going to call something a community. You know, you can have a mailing list as well. You're going to create some premium content that only they can access. Maybe you're going to start a podcast, and, and I did all of those things and more. And what happened is I, I just added, I bolted on bits and pieces to create what became the initial version of the community. So I started a mailing list, premium one for the members that ran on MailChimp. I started a podcast on a, on a platform called Hello Audio. I ran premium videos through Vimeo Pro and a couple of other systems that I that I kind of pieced together. So it was a little bit piecemeal, but it was all systems that I knew fairly well and I was happy with, and it just meant a bit more admin behind the scenes for me to make things hang together when you're using multiple systems, you know, mm. email addresses, passwords, and so forth. But that, that seemed to work. Now, if I were doing it again from scratch right today, I would probably choose a platform like Heartbeat or Circle, I probably wouldn't go for something like Discord, which I know a lot of younger users are really, really big fans of. I've never really been a fan of that. Or Slack. I've probably been too stung from the corporate days to to, to, (laughs) to revert back to that. But yeah, so there are solutions out there. Now, I have kind of moved to a bit of a halfway house solution, which is to have my website completely redone recently. That went live in early December. And what it means is that I've now got a members area. So people can log in manage their payments, they can view premium content, they can read the transcripts, they can listen to audio, they can see when the next events are, they can see a member's database, they can see a member's map, there's all that stuff. The only thing that I'm really separating from that is the LinkedIn discussions because I really don't want to rock that boat because that's, that's that bit is working really, really well. So discussions happen on LinkedIn. Pretty much everything else now happens on my, my all-new Experian website. That's great. And, and and thanks for sharing that. So you had this sort of almost pieced together with platforms that you love, knowing that because your community is largely a LinkedIn community yep. as it is, having the discussion there makes a whole lot of sense. And, and frankly, not removing it from there, even when you do have what you have now, which is more of the, the glue and the umbrella of your members area. And you mentioned some great ones, Circle. I think Mighty Networks is another one that, yep. that I hear a lot about. And I'm like you, and, and not to disparage Discord, I'm sure it serves a purpose for the right audience. Not my favorite experience just using it. So I think I just, maybe I'm a little too old. I don't know. So speaking of experience, what when you think of the entire end-to-end experience of somebody who joins the community, what part or parts are you especially proud of? And then give me the converse of that as well. Like where are you feeling like I want to improve these areas? I'm happy with the way I'm onboarding people. So I try and send people a custom video to welcome them and let them orient themselves in terms of what to expect, what they get, what the systems look like. So I think that side of things is working really well. I'd love to get more engagement on our live calls, but I've spoken to a couple of other community owners and they tell me the same kind of proportions that I'm seeing. So in an ideal world, let's say you've got, if you've got a community like mine, it's got a couple of hundred members, you'd love to think that a couple of hundred members are going to turn up for your live calls. In practice, it's never going to work like that. We're all busy, time zones and stuff, because we've got only about half of our members are in the UK. The rest are spread around the world. Uh, so we've got people on the West Coast of the USA. We've got people in Australia and New Zealand. They're not all going to be on the same call. It's just no, never going to happen. So the replay viewer is always 
likely to be the most important. So more engagement on the live calls would be great because one thing I found is that the people who really throw themselves into the community, they're asking questions, they're on the calls, they're visible presence. They get remembered by other members, and naturally, we want to try and do business with each other if we can. Sure, uh, but they also they're more likely to put their learnings into action. And at the end of the day, if you take action, you're going to get something out of this community. It's going to have been worth you being part of it. So I'd I'd love to see more people involved in just discussions and the live calls. Uh, but I know that people are, do appreciate the the replays and so forth. And I suppose another thing I'm really proud of is that. And providing content in the format that really suits all of our members. So some people like to watch videos. So we've got a video component. Some people like to just listen while they're working out or doing their cooking. So we've got a pod, private podcast stream. Some people just want to read and get the goodies and because they can scan read, you know, thousand words in five seconds or something. So we've got transcripts as well and everything is searchable. So whatever format you like to consume your content, we haven't got holograms yet, but, you know, we're, <laughs> basically... In whichever format you'd like to consume your learning, you can do it. And if you want to be part of live calls, you can. If you want to do it through replays, I think that side of things is working really tightly too. Yeah, and you know, everybody's different. Everybody has a different consumption habit. There's different times of the day where they might be more inclined to do one. If they're going for a walk, maybe they listen to the podcast. If it's mm -hmm. at night and they're you know in their room and they could you know watch a video. Um, yep. And maybe in the morning they scan a, uh, they scan text or maybe they only scan text because that's their thing. So mm -hmm. being where they, they are like showing up for them where they want you to is yep. so valuable. So you mentioned holograms, which made me think like, okay, <laughs> wh what is John cooking up, man? What are you working on? Like, what are some of the things that, because obviously getting the, the members area, I'm sure was a big lift and a lot yep. of thought, a lot of intention went yep. into building that out. Now that that bear is in that you know, you're done with that. I'm sure you're always tinkering and making improvements. What's next? Like, what are you working on? Well, the next big thing coming up is, and we've already experimented with this a couple of times last year, is to have in-person meetups. So we've done a couple of those in the UK, and we've got a bigger version of this, which has turned into the LinkedIn-focused conference, which is Uplift Live, and that's coming in March. So I think, you know, online business networking is, LinkedIn is perfect for that. You speak to anyone you want around the world. If you want a lasting business relationship, nothing still quite beats, you know, pressing the flesh and actually meeting people and hugging them and chatting to them in person. So having more in-person meetups is the way forward. I think it kind of gets around the whole AI, like, is this a real person? Okay, we're actually <laughs> going to be in the room together. And who knows? I mean, if that's successful, then it's possible that that might then, you know, go international. But for the time being, we're doing it in the UK. We'll see where that goes from there. So that, that's really the next chapter. And also, I suppose the other thing would be to see who are the people who are definitely most likely to be sticking around long term and see in what way I can empower those people to help lead the community. So maybe something like almost like a council mm. that I put ideas to and say, wise people think about this idea moving forward or would you like to take responsibility for this mini project and we've got a little bit of that going on already we've previously had a book club running inside our community we've got an accountability group running inside there we've got a wellness group running inside there you know we've got a matchmaking system where people get matched with another member so you'll have a zoom call together it's kind of plucked at random, just kind of get to know you. And all of these little small side projects, I'm not running the whole show there because yeah. that really would be too much for me. So I think that it's a lesson for me is just to let go a bit more and trust mm. the members to be able to take on the mantle. We're less than two years in. We're coming up for two years into this. So it's still a relatively young venture. But as things develop, I like to kind of identify and, and empower those people to so that they feel more more connected and to, you know everyone likes a little bit of responsibility so long as it's not too onerous on them so that's where we're going next yeah i mean i love the idea of a council and you have so many qualified people to do something like that and then you know having these communities within a community is is such a brilliant way to deepen the, and strengthen the bonds and then going back to you know uplift live you're right like when you're in person i can't wait for the day where you and I go for a walk. You know, you and I have talked about walking and just how vital that is to our health. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's these little things in life that, that really connect us and bond us and creating a, you know, an atmosphere and an environment where it fosters that kind of relationship building is, is a beautiful thing. And 
Speaking of a beautiful thing, and I can't have a conversation with that with you without bringing up your manifesto and specifically how you've infused the ideas, the concepts of the manifesto into the community. I alluded to it with like no douche canoes, which is which is yeah. one you know thing that you know you uh, you avoid. What else have you done to really embed those core values that you list on your website and your in your manifesto? For me, mostly it's about transparency, and I and I really don't have any secrets from my members. I'll tell them, you know, the truth at every stage, and sometimes it's stuff that they might not necessarily want to hear. You know, I'll give you home truths as well, but just being open and honest about things. So, for example, inside the community, I've, I've been happy to share things like financials around you know the conference that we're planning, how much people are being paid. You know, these things are not secret within the community. And then things, you know, relatively recent addition to the community has been our accountability groups and accountability calls, which we now do once a month. So if people can see me following up on those things, if I say, look, if you haven't done this thing by the end of the month, like you said you would, then I'm going to hold you accountable. We're going to follow up. We're going to try and find out why. We're going to try and do better next time. So I'm just fulfilling as many promises as I can. And that's kind of what I see a bit of a personal brand as, is what is the promise that you're making to your audience? And then you just need to uphold that as much as possible. The manifesto really came from an idea about it being relatively easy to identify the things that you hate. And if you spend any time online, it doesn't take that long for those ideas to come pouring out of your mouth. You know, No one likes pop-ups. No one likes salesy people. No one likes bait and switch. So I just said, look, I'm not going to do any of those things. And if I do, tell the world about it and I'll hold my hands up. No, you can't call me out because I haven't done those things. So, so yeah, it's just just staying faithful to, to the things that you promise and, and making the biggest promise you can keep is really the essence of good personal branding, I think. Mm, yeah, and, and sadly, not enough people follow that as a general rule. I think... Often we get so consumed and often so self-consumed that we forget about our obligations. We forget about the the promise that we've made. And as a result, you know, we don't fulfill that. And I think to your credit and to the the ethos and the the culture that you've built and the and and what you stand for, you know, like you said, just you know, responding to emails is a simple thing or messages, simple thing, but you you're you take it seriously. Yeah, well, I was just going to follow up one other point, which is the ethos of being relentlessly helpful hasn't been converted into, I'm going to be relentlessly helpful for 200 paying clients. Because that, for me, that feels like it would dilute the brand, actually. I'm still trying to help as many people as I can. And I appreciate that there's always going to be people who don't want to pay for help. There's always going to be people who want to look up stuff for free on the internet. You know, And I still want to try and help those people if I can. And to that end, about two thirds of the content that I create is now for my paying members, but about a third of the content is still completely free for absolutely everyone. So even though I've got quite a big body of free work out there, I do kind of feel that if I just hide away in a cave and say, right, I'm just going to serve these people forevermore, and you're not going to hear from me publicly, it'll just have to be word of mouth if anyone's going to recommend me. I think if you do that, ultimately you stop being relevant. I always kind of feel as though you need to keep giving something out into public if you want to be visible. And, you know, ultimately you want to attract some new members too. So that's part of the brand is, is to keep helping people publicly as well. But the way it's broken down is two thirds private. If you're following me, but you're not in the community, what you're seeing is about one third of what I'm actually creating. Plenty. <laughs> well, thanks for the breakdown. That's helpful. And it's actually a great lead into something that I alluded to wanting to discuss earlier, which is how do you break down your day? Like you're big mm-hmm. on transparency. I don't know if you share this yep. with your group, but I'd be very curious. Like how are you organizing either your day or your week in terms of like where you're spending the time that you have? It's our most precious resource. Yeah. So we aim for about three live calls per month. Those live calls started out being hour long calls. A funny bit of feedback from members is that an hour is too long for me to spend I didn't realize that would be the case. So I said, okay, we'll switch to half-hour calls. We switch to half-hour calls, and then they start to drag on and drag on, and sometimes you get to 45 minutes. So that's another funny realization is that people think that they can spare half an hour. They don't think they can spare an hour, but you give them half an hour, and then 
all of a sudden they're into it and they want to keep going. Those are always activities that go on. Every month as well, I'm creating a LinkedIn roundup, which is like all of the stuff that's been happening on LinkedIn over the past month. If you've just got 10 or 15 minutes spare and you just want to get all the latest news and how that impacts your business, that, that I create that throughout the month and release it at the start of each new month. So that's another standard piece of content. But other than that, it's it's kind of managing the conversations that happen within the group make sure that all questions get answered. So that's like a daily gig because we we usually get, I can't remember what the current stat is, but we usually get about 70 new conversations in the the community every week. When you're responding, do you break up like, hey, this is my response time. Like I'm going to response or is it just fluid throughout the day? Like what's your approach to that? I'm a grazer. I'm a grazer. (laughs) So, So it'll be one of the first things I do in the morning, but then I'll always be looking at it throughout the day. So if you look at my LinkedIn profile, you know, that, that full green spot is very often there because I spend a lot of time on the platform. So there's that. And we've also got one-to-one DM questions that come in from members. Sometimes people don't feel comfortable to say something in the group. And we've got a couple of private subgroup chats. So for example, we've, we've got one that's explicitly for people who actually train LinkedIn. So not just normal LinkedIn power users, but it's people who are actually delivering training on the platform. And that that's where you can get super nerdy with, with some fine details. So, so managing those conversations, seeing what people are struggling with or what successes they're having and seeing how I can report on that to the wider community and then looking for content ideas, consuming stuff. It's just pretty much constant. There's all of that going on and then writing emails, creating Uh, video content. And I do all of that myself as well. So if I'm creating a video, for example, I'm editing it, you know, I'll put it through something like Otter to generate my captions. I'm generating transcripts. I'm putting thumbnail images, uploading the content, all of that stuff needs managing. And I'm doing that too. So it is a very, very time consuming way of doing it, but Hey, this is actually one of the reasons why I've put a limit on the, the community. So this community I've said will never grow beyond 300 people. We're around 200 and something now. It'll never grow beyond 300 because I want to do it myself. I can't scale that to thousands. It would kill me. I'd rather do it myself than to, to outsource it to someone else. You know, Espresso is, is the name. It's small, but it's powerful. And it's a yeah, strong shot of digital caffeine. Small but mighty. And I love your about page because it shows your team. It's like nine <laughs> pictures of <laughs> you, your yeah. HR and sales and CEO, yeah. all these. It's just different pictures of you with different different reactions. It's classic, yeah. man. So yeah. like, obviously having a community we've already covered is so much work, so time consuming. And especially when you do it like you do it, which is you're not compromising. No. You are doing so, so much to help the community be what it is. What do you think are like the key elements to keep it thriving? You mentioned that like the, the LinkedIn community where there's lots of conversations, like if there's like a yep. secret sauce or some things that like really get it, give it the energy to maintain the vibrancy and the, and the connectedness, like what are those things? Well, I always look for any kind of green shoots of positive progress from people. So if someone has been waiting a while to contribute, you want to be really quick to celebrate that and to to give them a good response so that they're more likely to, to contribute next time. I think you need for the leadership to be always visible so you don't feel as though it's uh, you're in a ghost town. You know, So you need to know who's in charge of this show. So I'm always present there. And you need to know what's on topic. I, th- I think some groups go off the rails a little bit because there's no real, this group is for this topic. And, and that means that people can talk about anything and maybe the, it ends up getting a bit spammy or off topic. And I'm mindful, like I said earlier, that if you shoot too much stuff at people, they'll feel overwhelmed. So I've told people very clearly that we talk about LinkedIn best practice. We talk about content creation online visibility and personal branding. There's four topics there. We don't really talk about anything else. Now that those those topics actually quite cover quite a broad range of things you could dive into, it's about that or nothing else. So if there is anything off topic, it's going to go and I've got a set of rules that we will all follow. So for example, if you want to promote something, you can promote something if it's if it's a collaboration with another member. But if it's just a project that you're doing, then then if I were to allow that, that would mean everyone could just promote their own business and it would just end up being a spam fest. So we don't do that. Um, so having a clear set of rules and a, and a very, very tight niche that you actually talk about 
It means that people know what's okay uh, and what isn't okay. And, and that has led to the small, safe nature of the community and people knowing that there are rules has actually emboldened a lot of people to say stuff that they might not say in public. And I, that's been a, one of the delightful surprises of the community is that mm. people feel emboldened. You know, it's, it's much easier to talk in a group of 200 people than it is to a potentially a billion people on the wilds of LinkedIn. And you don't know what people are sitting there silently judging you or, or <laughs> loud, loudly judging you maybe. Totally. And, and those people, once they start getting, you know, they start getting their wings and then maybe they're ready to fly in public. So that, that's been a lovely thing to observe. Great tips, you know, especially like keeping the topics on point. Cause I think you could just yeah. go a million different directions. And then of course, if everybody was promoting constantly, then it just becomes, like you said, it just becomes what we don't want. We don't want, like nobody loves to be constantly sold and constantly no. told about this or that. So you're not a copywriter for hire anymore, but I can imagine that people, if they're not already, they're going to be knocking on your door to help with how to build a community. And so I don't want to put you out there for hire here, but if you did offer a program and let's say it was a one day intensive with somebody who says, I'm going to build a community and I want to gain as much from you as possible, John, in a day, what would you tell that person? What give us a, an overview of like some of the topics and things that you would discuss with them to get them on the right foot? Because things, as you said, things have changed. There's now more, now you have circle or mighty networks or things like that. What would be some of the advice you would give this person in this day long intensive? Yeah. I wouldn't worry so much about the platform in the first instance. I think the most important thing you can do is build a differentiated personal brand first. Because if I'm just discovering you for the first time, the chances of me opting into your community, unless you're offering something that I really, really can't get from anywhere else, is very, very low. So that the need for that personal brand is huge. And as I've said elsewhere recently, you've got to dig that well before you're thirsty. If you want to turn up on day one and then launch a community on day two, good luck with that. It, you know, it's really, really hard. So, so you need to reflect the things that you want other people to see in you and see in themselves so that they can opt into whatever your mission is. So you need to have a very clear thing that you're trying to achieve. In my case, it's that idea of being relentlessly helpful and people buy into that idea. I would start there. Then I would kind of test the water by, by, by creating something that is free. You know, so as a free group that that lives on a system that isn't going to cost you a whole lot of money to run. I know you can set up probably Mighty Networks and Circle and Heartbeat and so forth at relatively low cost. So you could try that and set a time limit on it for yourself so that you're not forever running a free thing because that's just going to be another task that drags you down unless you're you're okay with monetizing that unless you're okay with selling into that group which i never have been i've never done that in my community and set that time limit and then you can then you can look to monetize after that set your rules rules are really really important and, and have a zero tolerance policy for people who, who break those things so people know that you mean business and set your topics and, and be sure that you can actually devote the time to, to, to run the thing because it like I said it's a lot of effort even me with a personal brand that's fairly strong if I wasn't present every day and if I wasn't responding to people quickly I think that's a really really important thing that that's often overlooked responsiveness makes you feel like you're being heard like a real human being is actually listening so if you can make that time to to, to be responsive set the rules set the agenda those are the elements for success it's certainly not a guarantee that's probably where I would start. But there's no magic button for building that personal brand, which is really the kind of the central thing that, that got me to where I am. Yeah. And often people say, you know, I'd like to get engagement like yours. And I'll say, well, it's simple, but you'll have to do this, that, and the other for about three years. So let's come back to me when you've done that. We'll have a conversation. <laughs> no one wants to do that. You know, they want right, the abs right. tomorrow, don't they? So there's no way around that. We live in a world of instant gratification. And I think it's the Achilles heel that a lot of people have. And whether it be creating content or trying to start a business or a community, they want it now and they're not willing to pay the price and put the deposits in over a long period of time to be able to make the withdrawal. So with that in mind, you're spot on, right? Like a differentiated brand that sets you apart that people already know and then therefore gives you the ability to create something that you could then uh, monetize through a very thoughtful and a very defined through rules and topics community. Yeah. And so 
let's assume all those things happen or, and we're going to wrap up our conversation just t- talking about getting the word out there and the marketing and the promoting. What, what advice do you have or what has worked for you? Because you already have so much support and people know who you are on LinkedIn, which I'm sure is, is a huge reason people gravitate. But if you have anything that you feel has been especially even just a, a technique or a, an approach to get people to be more likely to want to join the community or to know about the community, what, what have been those ways? Well, a couple of tips is, is to make people feel as though they actually belong to something. So if you're in a community, it's kind of like supporting a sports team. You know, you've there you've got your shirts and you've got your scarves and, you know, you've got your stadium that you go to. Well, this is like, okay, I've got a badge that says that I'm a member of this thing. I've got a label. You know, we call ourselves Espressians. It's like a combination of espresso, espresso and Esperian. And, you know, we, we can say we're in this community. We know each other. And then encourage those people to go out and spread the good word. Now, a natural thing to do would be to set up some kind of affiliate scheme. I do now have that, but it's only just really launched in the last few months. At the start, I didn't have anything like that. I just said, look, if you like this place, you're going to naturally tell people about it. We we don't need to incentivize anything. After a while, it just felt like it was it was a good thing to try and implement just just to reward the people who are really really banging the drum out there. So, an affiliate scheme that would bring people in. And so that it is transparent. It's not a case of you're hiding links or anything like that. People will know if you use this, I'm going to get a little recompense. So you could set up something like that and then just encourage those people every time they do a post about you, you know, use a consistent hashtag, use a consistent image, and then go and support all of that content as much as possible and just celebrate your members as much as possible. So as you know, I run something called the Friday Shout and that's been going now for wow, it's actually six years. We've, we've actually gone through the six-year point now, I think. Wow. And a lot of those members now are people who are in the Espresso Plus community, which is, there's no one-to-one correlation there. It's just because I, I tend to spend most time with those people, and so I, I tend to know them. But you've been featured in that before. And you know anything that you can do to celebrate the people in your network is going to be powerful in the long term. That, that was just me trying to do something nice for my community. I'm not, I'm not monetizing that in any way. Some people in the Friday shout, uh, nothing to do with Espresso Plus. They're just nice people that I like on LinkedIn and I want to feature them a little bit. So anything you can do to celebrate others, I think ultimately will reflect well on you. Well, it was a great honor to be part of that, that club. And I'm still grateful to you for giving me a shout out. And the thing about this is there's nothing more powerful than a genuine referral. And when you have people yeah. who are raving fans of the community they're a part of, it sells itself. Yeah. And, you know, especially when you're a known entity like you are, you know, I have a friend who's just referring me to a, a speaker's community and he raved about it. And so now I'm very, very interested in, in potentially joining this community. Mm-hmm. And had he not raved about it, it would, you know, I heard about it. I already knew it existed, but I am now much more likely to be involved. Yeah. So, John, this has been an absolute pleasure. Uh, my last question to you, and then we'll talk about some of the, we mentioned Uplift Live. We'll talk about that in a minute. But the last question I have is, what did we miss that we, we absolutely got to tell somebody who's starting a community or has this vision of maybe starting? What didn't we cover that we should cover or final word that would be most powerful to, to bring this home? I think it, it's, it's great if you can just listen to your community in terms of creating the content that, that, that will shape the future of your personal brand. People will feel really invested if they can see themselves, their ideas reflected in your content. So you talk to people, you get ideas from them, you create content that celebrates them and you know that mentions them in your synthesis of the stuff that you put out there. That stuff is really, really powerful. And it's really, really valuable in a world where AI is increasing to try and increase the number of conversations that you have. So doing that in a private safe space helps people fly, helps people trust you. And I suppose one of the most valuable things, it makes you immune to the public algorithms. Right now, we're seeing a lot of this on LinkedIn, people's visibility going down. You know, they're putting out the same quality of content. People aren't seeing it as much because there's so many more people coming on the platforms. The future of social media, I think, will be smaller private communities, what what is often called dark social, people chatting in WhatsApp groups, LinkedIn groups, Facebook groups, other small communities where people don't get 
privied access to all of that content, that's where you can build real relationships. It's a really valuable business strategy. So just foster that conversation as much as possible. Use video and voice notes as much as possible. It feels more personal and it's definitely not AI generated. That's really powerful stuff. That's a great point. At least not yet. Who knows in the future? So to learn more, if you don't follow John already on LinkedIn, please do go to his website. I promise you'll get so many ideas and just you'll see the thought that goes into it. Esperian.co.uk, E-S-P-I-R-I-A-N.co.uk. As well as if you're interested in joining the community Espresso Plus, jesp.me forward slash join. Um, so go check, go check it out. And then Uplift Live, let's end on that. Give us your elevator pitch one more time. It's uplift-live.com. Tell us about that and, and why somebody should consider going. Yeah, that, that was born because I, I've been to too many events that focus on other social media and never anything that's really focused on LinkedIn. LinkedIn don't do their own conferences. There's never been a LinkedIn-focused event in the UK. And so I thought, well, I could sit here forever or I could actually just organize my own. <laughs> and that's what we're doing. So with the with the help of a couple of communities, a couple of friends from the uh, Espresso Plus community, we're organizing a, an in-person uh, LinkedIn conference. We've got eight speakers coming from around the world. I'm going to be one of them. And uh, it's going to be on the 21st of March in Birmingham, the UK's second city. It's a whole day of learning and networking, and we've got a pre-event party, and and um, yeah, and we're recording the whole thing for people who can't make it to Birmingham. So, looking forward to that. Just over two months away, and uh, I think it's going to be a memorable event, and and really put LinkedIn into focus uh, in the UK for people who really want to boost their business in in 2024. John, so excited to see everything you're doing and the work that you're. Uh, the legacy you're leaving and, and this event will, I think, be a, a great way for you to to do what you've talked about earlier. It's to bring people together to really deepen and strengthen the bond that already exists. So an absolute yeah. pleasure. Could not say uh, more glowing things about you. Thank you for taking time to be uh, with me today. I really enjoyed our conversation. Oh, it was a pleasure, Billy. Anytime. Thanks a lot for having me. Cheers. Thank you for listening to this episode of Inside Out. I hope you took away some valuable insights that will help you in business and in life. If you like this show, the best payment you can give is to rate, review, and subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform. You can also listen to past episodes and see a breakdown of all the best insights by going to insightoutshow.com. And for the record, there's no greater compliment than sharing this show with your friends on social media. So if there's an insight or a lesson that you liked, please share it and tag both me and today's guest. And until next time, remember, your next life-changing breakthrough moment may happen when you least expect it. Insight out.